Welcome to the Agape Podcast. I'm Beck, a passionate, sold-out lover of Jesus who accidentally started a Christian singles ministry. And now I want to help as many people as possible to find their husband or wife while being super healthy and full of hope. So get ready for some real, raw talk about all things singleness and dating. and welcome to our latest episode of the Agape podcast. I am so excited to be joined by the beautiful Charity and Layla Marie uh, today and we are going to dive into some pretty pretty intense topic I think. Um, And so before we even I even start talking about what we're going to talk about today I would just love to introduce my guests um, or actually I'd love to have you guys introduce yourselves and so do you guys want to share with us just um, a little bit about yourselves, where you're from, what you do, so we can get to know you a little bit better. Charity, do you want to start? Sure. Hi, everyone. My name is Charity. Um, I am almost 46. My birthday is next Sunday. Um, I live in Arizona. Um, I am a teacher. I've been doing this for, this is my eighth year. I'm at a local charter school that we work at, that I that I work at. Um, so I have two kids. Uh, my son is almost 19 and my daughter is 17 and she'll be graduating in May as well. Come on. Awesome. I'm so happy. I'm so excited to have you on. And you. Layla, how about you? Yeah. Hi, um, my name is Layla and I um, yeah, I'm happy to be here. I am actually um, a mom of five, so a divorced mom of five kids. And I um, am an artist, um, singer, and right now I've, I kind of have been dabbling in a bit of, um, you know, interior design and different art projects, um, over the past few years, um, since the divorce. So I kind of do a little bit of everything and I love learning new things. Um, I'm not currently working. Actually, God has me not working. <laughs> um, funny enough. So, um, yeah, so he kind of has me, um, just planning and planning some big things, um, and writing down some business ideas for the future currently. So there's a lot of exciting things on the horizon there. Come on. I feel like the creatives are really rising up in this in this season, the mm-hmm. business creatives, actually. Mm-hmm. I wake up with, like, business dreams and business ideas where I'm like, I don't think this thing exists, but it would be really great if it did. And then I, we, I do some research and it doesn't exist. I'm like, okay, God, these are, like, not pizza dreams. These are God dreams, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> so it's really cool to hear that he's doing the same thing for you. Well, guys, today we are going to talk about uh, something that's really close to my heart, and it's the whole concept of rushing into marriage and the power of waiting. <laughs> mm-hmm. So just to give you guys a little bit of context, I met these lovely ladies in one of the singles groups that I run, and somebody had posted, I don't even remember what it was, but it was something about, you know, how long do you want to wait to to get married? Like, how quickly do you want to get married? And um, both Charity, Layla, and myself um, – put a very similar answer (laughs) and it was, oh my goodness, wait, 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 wait. And for those of you who know my story, I got married pretty quickly. So I had known my husband for four months. We started dating. We got engaged 12 days later and three months later we were married. And although I did receive a word that he would be my husband and I had a lot of confirmations, even now we've been married almost eight months. I would still say that wisdom looks like waiting. 
And so I, I, I knew I had a choice in that moment. Um, but I was so in love and like, you know, and, and I actually felt like it was very, very much like a logical decision. Like, yeah, this makes sense. Like, he's really awesome. He's my best friend and, you know, everything else will grow, but I've just, oh my goodness, it was such a train wreck (laughs) and has been one of the hardest experiences of my life ever. I think it's the hardest experience I've ever chosen into. And although I love my husband and there's so much fruit and God has used it, um, I, I'm just like, oh, I see what everybody was saying, the, why we should be waiting, why we should be waiting to see people in different circumstances, different seasons of life, like even just waiting to build trust and develop a history of trust. You know, Nick and I didn't have that. And so you get married and now you have to deal with finances. How are we going to steward our finances? And when you don't have a, a foundation of trust, that's a really hard conversation to have. There's a lot of disagreements, a lot of fights. Um, because you have very conflicting ideas. And even though we did like premarital, you know, every week before we got married and, you know, multiple times, sometimes it actually still didn't prepare us for how quickly we went. And so was God in it? I'm still wrestling. I'm like, I a hundred percent believe God was in it. I don't know about the timing. I'm like, was God saying, Hey, you know what? This is going to happen just so you know, like I know what's coming or you should do this. And yes, it will be hard, but it'll be super worth it. I don't know. But what I've really found, I'm still wrestling with that. And maybe I'll never know. And I'm totally okay with that. God is good and I love him. But what, and, but, and I always knew I had a choice. I just want to put that in there too. I knew the day before we got married, I could have walked away and been just as loved by the Lord. I'd never felt pressured. I never felt like I had to do this. Um, but I really just see this culture of, oh, you know, you know, he's the one, go for it. And that's what people had kind of said to me. You know, I'd always, even when I was young, I had, whenever somebody, we, my friends and I would talk about our future husbands, for some reason, I always said, his name is going to be Nick. <laughs> I just, that was what always came to my mind. Like, his name's going to be Nick. He's going to do this, this, and this. And um, it was really cool that my husband was named Nick. It's really cool that what the first time we met, he had a broken rib. And that was, we didn't even realize until afterwards when we were thinking about it, like how prophetic that was. And so there was so much that was aligning. But again, I always knew I had a choice. And so I see these movements that are coming out being like, hey, you could be married in a year. You know, this person got married in six months. Look at this. Look how amazing this is. I can help you get there. And my heart goes, oh, that's really kind of scary because anyone can get married in a month, you know, or, or six months or nine months, but, but are they healthy? Are they ready for marriage? Are they setting themselves up for success? And yes, we have incredible testimonies of people who've got married after, you know, two weeks and have had an incredible life together, but we don't often hold up the testimonies where they've been married after two weeks and it's ended in divorce because they're not the ones that, you know, it's a testimony because it actually is, a really great feat of strength and, and will and, you know, oh, look how much, look how far they've come. This is an incredible story. I just feel like, you know what? Yes, that's the exception, but wouldn't you want to set yourself up for success? Wisdom looks like waiting. And I, I wish I had have known that. I still believe I would have married my husband, but if we had have waited and really developed history together, developed trust, chosen one another, um, I know that we would have been so much better equipped for when we walked into marriage to really understand what we were getting into. I think we both came in really naive. I was super naive. I was like, oh, it's going to be so great. We're going to be married. And like, you know, we're in this great place right now because we've been on a dating high and 
you know, life's good. And then you become husband and wife and you live together and everything you thought you knew about the person kind of changes. And you're like, oh, wow, this is so much more intense than what I thought I was getting into. And wisdom would have looked like, okay, I'm going to wait. I'm going to get to know you. I'm going to see if we are healthy. And our leaders did say that, you know, because we wanted to get married two weeks after we got engaged. <laughs> and and we even had, within three days, I had planned an entire wedding. Like, I mean, we had cake. I had a dress. I had shoes. Like, what, the ladies, uh, we had a venue. The people who were mentoring us were going to get married at their house. And she had a dress that fit me perfectly, was my size, and shoes that fit me that were my size. And I was like, oh, like Nick had clothes, you know, everything was done. Like we had, I had rented out um, like chairs and tables and an arch and everything. Like it was going to be the quickest wedding ever. And then our pastors got it kind of involved. And again, they didn't tell us what to do. They, they just kind of said, hey, are you open to hearing feedback on this and, and just talking about it? And they just gave me some really great perspective of like, this is for life, like, what does it matter if you if you wait a little bit? Even if he's the one, like set yourself up for success. And so we said, oh, okay, we'll wait. We waited three months and then we got married. <laughs> and so I I really, you know, we got, I think, three weeks into Define the Relationship because we were in such a hurry. And I had done Defining the Relationship by Danny Silk previously with another boyfriend and just saw so much value in it. But we never even got through that. And so that's another really big thing. DTR doing that DTR course would have been so wise and so incredible, but we were just in this like enveloped in this emotion, excuse me, that we actually, we weren't really thinking like long-term. And I, I was 30. I was like, you know, I've waited long enough. Let's just get this done. I know you're the one. And I, and now I see, Oh, the dating season is so fun. We enjoyed each other so much. And there's stuff that you do in dating that you you don't do afterwards, you know, and you can try and stuff, but it's just, it's a different season and we could have really enjoyed it. And so when I see people going, you know what, if you know, you know, just hurry up and get married. We're like, ooh, that's what we're going to talk about today because we're going to talk about the other side and I don't want to focus on the negative, um, but we are going to focus on wisdom <laughs> and and I'm, we're going to hear from Charity and from Layla and hear their stories. And I, I really just hope and pray that as you listen to their stories, your heart is transformed, that God speaks to you. And if you were thinking of, okay, tomorrow, you know, I'm just going to, you know, I might get married next week. You know, this is a lifelong covenant. And, you know, when most, well, not most, a lot of, a lot of uh, marriages, you know, struggle or end in divorce, you want to set yourself up for as much success as you possibly can because even the most godly, amazing people sometimes struggle to make it work. And so I think setting yourself up for success looks like waiting in God and and getting to know someone really well. And so I just wanted to um, ask Charity and Layla some questions about what their journey has looked like and just allow them to share openly and have a platform. I will say... For those of you listening, we have tried to do this podcast maybe like six or seven times we've rescheduled. We have had, I've had more opposition about this podcast than any podcast I've ever done. We have had random things pop up. We've had um, car accidents. Literally, Charity got into a car accident. We've had uh, siblings pass away 
on the day like we were meant to do a podcast like crazy stuff has happened like crazy stuff that I would not even believe we almost started laughing about it and being like (laughs) okay and we've pivoted each time and so I just really want to honor these ladies because they really were just so dedicated to the story they had on their on their lives and on their hearts to share that they said okay I'm going through all this stuff and my life's (laughs) actually pretty hard right now but I'm still going to show up and I still want to do this because I believe that God has a message to tell through me so I wanted to ask you guys just a little bit of background about um, how you each met your ex-husbands, um, how long you dated for, just a little bit of context so we can kind of get to know the background of your stories. Charity, did you want to start? Sure. Um, so I met my ex-husband probably probably, 2000, probably 1999, and I was uh, working in our church as a college leader. I had a college ministry. I was leading and I was always looking for uh, candidates to join my ministry. And so at the time, I was just really focused on Jesus, just really in love with him, really wanted to get married. Um, but I had finally got to a content place in the Lord after just really wrestling for so many years that if I really sold out to Jesus, then I would never get married. And that was such a huge desire of my heart. Um, I wanted three things in my, since I was a little girl, be married, have kids and do ministry. That's all I've ever, ever really wanted in my whole life. Um, and I was doing ministry, um, but I wanted to be married and have kids. So I remember seeing him come into, um, a room that I was working in and I just felt really the Lord nudged me to invite him to my college ministry. So I did. And we were friends for about a year. He just came and helped out. And then, um, we were on a mission trip together and he kind of professed his love to me. And that was April. And, uh, we got married in August. So the end of August. So we literally went from, and we were like boyfriend and girlfriend for a couple weeks. Like we weren't even together as dating before we got engaged. I always wanted to, um, get married quickly. So it was like, I, I too had a dress. Like I had made a dress like years before I had someone make me a dress. Like I was ready in faith that I was going to get married and I was going to do kingdom work. And it was for me, it was really all about, um, doing kingdom work, doing ministry. Um, I just wanted to be married and do ministry. I, I didn't really know anything about, um, boundaries and, um, healthiness. And I, I knew nothing about that. I could lead a ministry, but I had zero understanding about healthy communication and boundaries. Um, so that's how we met and we got married August and, um, it was very difficult. So, I mean, I know we'll go more into that, but that's kind of where that's how quickly we, we didn't know each other zero. Like we had zero understanding of each other. And, um, we we went from just dating to having premarital counseling within weeks. And, um, I'll let Layla share because there's definitely way more I can share about that, but that's, that's how we met. And that's, um, how we got married. Can I just ask how old were you? I was 20, 25. I was 25. Okay. I was 25. Yeah. I love that part of your story because I feel like when people are friends, even if they're just like 
like oh we've been friends for you know over a year but you realize oh you know they're kind of there but you really don't know them as well as you think you do yeah even if you're kind of close dating is a completely different sphere of getting to know someone Mm -hmm. and so we kind of did the same thing oh we we became like best friends after like four months and then we started dating and then marriage I'm like oh this was super not like this is so different like I actually didn't know you at all (laughs) so I, I, I really love that you touched on that and then it's like, you're just, I mean, you're, you're, when you get married you're in that place of, okay, we're going to get married. Then all you're doing is focusing on getting married. You're not really focusing on getting to know each other and, um, spending time together and enjoying each other. Cause you guys got pressure. Uh, we just got, we just got to work through all this pre-married counseling so we can get married, but yeah. there, there's no season of just enjoying life and getting to know each other. Like you had touched upon. So I thought that was really good too. Yeah, that's awesome. How about you, Layla? We'd love to hear from you. Yeah. Um, so I was, so I want to say, so I was, um, 18 when I went away to college. So to ORU. So, you know, I went from living in Florida to Oklahoma, which that in itself is a completely different experience. Um, and I was at ORU and I really wasn't even looking for a relationship. And a lot of my friends would joke that they were, they were there for an MRS degree, you know, like they just wanted to find a Christian husband and get married and be a good Christian wife. And I was like, yeah, that doesn't appeal to me like at all. Like I was an art major and I had like all these career and, you know, business ideas in my mind. And I just wanted to do art and, you know, love Jesus. And I was learning about the prophetic and, um, I was actually, you know, spirit filled, um, you know, hearing from God in a relationship with him for probably five years at that point. And, um, so, so, you know, you know, I wasn't looking. And so I met my ex, um, actually in one of our art classes, well, several, because we had in art classes, you know, they were like two and a half, three hours long. So we were in probably several art classes together, um, over the course of a week. And he was just kind of there and we were friends and we were all in the same friend group. We would go to bonfires at someone, um, someone's parents house who lived just off campus. And, you know, we, we had a community together but I didn't really know him. And then that following summer after my first year, I was on a mission trip and he was also on a mission trip. And when I got back home, he had written me a letter. And so I was like, Oh, okay. And so he kind of, you know, professed, you know, his love to me and whatever. And, um, and then, so when I got back to school that following fall semester, um, we were kind of, it was just kind of known that like we would, you know, start dating or whatever. And so we were still with our friend group and, um, we started dating. Um, but actually we were only together after not really knowing each other more than casually for three months before we got engaged, um, which was super fast. But at that time, you know, it was kind of like, Oh, well, it's, it was like you were saying earlier back, like it was like a logical decision on my part. Cause I was like, this makes sense. Um, he's a Christian. I'm a Christian. We both are into the same things. We both love doing art together. This seems like it fits, like it makes sense. Like it just seemed kind of like it just sort of meshed together really well. And we didn't, you know, we didn't fight. We got along pretty well. Um, but you know, look in hindsight, looking back, I mean, that was only three short months of dating. And again, like charity was saying, like when you're looking at getting married, you're not focusing on their character you know, or even that transitional season for me was, you know, I, so I found out I had to leave school. I couldn't get the loan that I thought I was going to get for that year. So I found out I had to leave early after a year and a half. And so we, that's when 
we decided that um, we would both just move, you know, because we were engaged now. So I was like, well, what am I going to do? And so we were both going to stop doing school and move to San Diego where he was from. And so, um, so we were going to, you know, live separately, whatever, and get jobs. But he knew some people in that city still. And so then it further down, you know, the logical thinking was like, well, this doesn't really make sense to um, be engaged for that long. We should just go ahead and get married. So he ended up eloping and um, yeah. So there's just, it, if the one, you know, one decision, which I thought was great, ended up being a series of decisions that really weren't that well thought out <laughs> in hindsight. Um, and actually we got married in, a thrifted dress. Cause you know, just, I, I feel like the idea of eloping really appealed to my personality. Um, because I was, I'm super spontaneous. And so I was like, Oh, this sounds great. You know, this is fun. Like we're just doing this and it's at the thrift store and it's a cute dress and it's just fun, you know? And so, um, probably not the best decision. Um, and you know, again, we were isolated from family and community and in a new city. So, so it was just, it was all very fast, almost like shotgun wedding, um, the time from when we started dating to the time when we were engaged and married. I mean, we were married January, so it wasn't, it wasn't that long. Um, and again, not a good, not a good length of time. I don't feel to really get to know a person's character. So, yeah, I love that you touched on that character is so important because that is what you will be with for the rest of your life. It's not going to be their looks or the, you know, that, that stuff goes away or fades or they change their body shape and, you know, um, or their charisma. Maybe they're not as charismatic all the time. You know, it's, it's going to be day in, day out when you are unwell, they're the ones that are either going to look after you or leave you, you know, <laughs> like that kind of stuff is really where character comes in. Uh, and so I would love to ask you guys, so you, you spoke about, okay, we kind of, we kind of rushed into this thing a little bit, but at the time you obviously wouldn't have thought you were rushing, you know, it was romantic and fun and spontaneous and Hey, this is clearly what I'm meant to be doing. Like this is, you know, it seems right. And, and why not? And so I'd love to ask you, what were the red flags that you guys overlooked in that period when you were all loved up and what were the things that came out later about your, your significant other, maybe that you, you didn't explore or you overlooked in that dating season? Um, so for me, there, there, there were a lot of things. Um, again, I think I said before, I didn't 20 years ago, uh, boundaries and like inner healing and those things really weren't a thing. And if they were, it was very quiet. I mean, the church, I grew up in the church and I never, ever, ever heard anything about boundaries or, um, inner healing ever. And so, uh, I knew God had told me to marry this person. I knew it. I, I, I was convinced of it. Um, so for me, I felt like a lot of it was an, an act of duty or an act of obedience for me. Um, things would pop up, like he would say stuff and I, I can't think of any specific, but and I would just remember going, mm, I don't really agree with that. Or that's not how I see that. And then I would go, oh, well, we'll take care of it later. God will work it out. Um, if, you know, this is, it will, it will fix later. Um, 
we were in, we had done a marriage counseling, like our church had pre-married counseling and it was like a six weeks course. And it basically was like, well, if the wife does this and the husband does this and you do what you're supposed to do, you'll have this blissful marriage, you know, like who's going to wash the dishes, who's going to pay the finances. And so those were questions that were answered, but there was, there was not. So basically it was, you just do your part. He does his part and you'll have this great marriage. And I can remember seeing the last session, um, we were assigned like a pastor to go over the last questions and to see if we were compatible with each other. And even at that moment, I remember I just had so many like questions, like, don't they see like, don't they see kind of like what's happening here? But then I would always fall back to, oh, but God said he'll work it out. God said he will work it out. And if I could say one thing out of all this, it would be choosing healthy over romance. And because I had no idea what that meant, um, I, I, I could, I wish I could like, like put it, like scream up the top of my buildings. You have to choose healthy over romance. Um, but the thing that stands out the most that I would share out of the red flags and there were, I mean, that, like I said, there was a lot, um, whether it's communication or his financial choices or, um, how he, you know, how he treated me. I did not have a lot of um, self-worth and value. So uh, when it came to the physical aspect, and I, I really feel like I was supposed to share this because it's such a vulnerable part of the beginning of our marriage. Um, I really wanted to wait to, to share a kiss until the day we got married. And um, I was just so, I really want, that really was in my heart. And I, and I let that slide and we did. And then it kind of snowballed after that to where he stopped respecting me. And he would say things like, well, we can do this because in the sight of God, we're married. No, that's not, that is not true. We were not married. And just because we had planned to get married, not mean that was okay. And, and I remember just feeling so disrespected and so devalued. Um, but I didn't know, I, I didn't know that I could say, no, that's not, that's not what the Bible says. And that's not true. And no, I'm not okay with this. And I just remember feeling so, so disrespected. And of course that set up a whole bunch of stuff for the next, for the rest of our marriage. Um, where that was a consistent feeling of being disrespected and feeling devalued and not having self-worth. And um, so, so the last thing I would, I would just stress, you know, out of all the things that the red flags that I had, that one moment of if he's not respecting um, your boundaries and you're not feeling a sense of respect and self-worth, even if it's in the tiniest thing, like, you know what? I just don't feel like I'm ready to kiss you or hold your hand. And if he feels like, oh, well, you know, we've been dating for so long, it should be okay. Girl, run. Like, that's not even, that's not okay. That's not okay. Um, so, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I love that. I love that you touched on that. Because um, it's like, hey, what they're doing while you're dating is just going to be, yeah. amplified you're getting a sense of their character and, and they're on their best behavior yeah you know when you're kind of in that in that in that zone and so imagine if this goes the other way and you know it's all cute and oh, okay well maybe I have to give in but mm -hmm. then in marriage it stops being cute and it starts being oh gosh I actually feel violated sometimes yes. or my I'm 
my personhood isn't being respected. Yes. I love what you said, uh, healthy over romance. Yeah. Like I go for healthy over romance every day of the week. Mm-hmm. And that is, for me, when I saw my husband, I saw his character and I was like, oh, he, he is so open to people speaking into his life. He is so teachable. Even if he makes a mistake, he's the first one to call a mentor. Hey, you know, can you help me? I did something. And then he focuses on himself and what he needs to change. I've never, all of his mentors say like, he's never spoken about you in a negative way. He comes and he talks about himself. And I was like, oh, that's a teachable spirit. That is so much more important than, you know, the romance. Because again, didn't super feel the romance in the beginning that much, but it was like character. Oh, I, I, I can see the character that's coming through. Um, and so I love that you touched on that. That's super important. How about you, Layla? Yeah. So I just want to kind of piggyback on what you just said about, you know, um, testing your character and do they have healthy community? Um, because my ex, um, I, I, I assume since, you know, we were kind of in the same group, you know, that he just had that general, um, that general, um, I guess, group of friends kind of all around, you know, that it was kind of the same, but it turned out it wasn't the case. Um, so I don't know that, you know, he had a group of friends that were keeping him accountable at that time. I knew of one, maybe two people, um, that I also kind of hung out with that knew him. But again, you know, he was from, he was from a different city, you know, across, we were from literally across the United States and we met at ORU in Oklahoma. So, um, I didn't really check for, for that, which I think is super important. Just, you know, do they have friends? Do they have people who can speak into their lives and are they humble? Can they admit, you know, when, um, when they're having a problem or when they're doing wrong, like are are people holding them accountable? I think is super, super important. Um, one of the other, one of the other red flags, which I didn't see as a red flag because at that time I, you know, I was, you know, I just kind of starstruck and, you know, I was 19. So I'm like, well, you know, he's a Christian, you know, I'm a Christian and, you know, he, you know, because he's a Christian, like he's an amazing person, you know, he has these amazing values because I was looking at, you know, what I felt about my values and how I saw the world, um, as a 19 year old, but he was four years older than me, almost five. So, you know, he's looking at this perspective of getting, you know, he's looking at the idea of getting married from a completely different perspective. You know, he's, you know, almost mid twenties, you know, wanting to kind of lock it down and, you know, get on with the family and, career and stuff. And so here I am, you know, I've just started college. So it's completely different, um, frame of mind. You know, we were just coming from two completely different places and I didn't realize that at the time or have the tools to, you know, kind of cope with that or, um, and there's another, another thing where some older, older guys that I knew, um, through their sisters and different people and friends. Um, and I had worked in the guy's dorm as a receptionist at that time. So a lot of these people, I built friendships with them. And there was one person in particular who really had a hard time with the fact that my ex was four years older because he had a sister that was the same age as me who had just started school and he was just not okay with it. And he was like, he talked to me one time and he was like, listen, like, I don't think this is healthy. You know, like I can't imagine my sister dating someone that's much older. And, um, and I was like, because I'm starstruck, you know, and, you know, in love or whatever, you know, it's just like, oh, it's going to be fine, whatever. And so I completely um, blew that advice over. Um, And I even had other friends kind of cautioning me against it. But I think it's, and it might be my personality too, but I was just so like, no, this is what I decided I was going to do, which on a whim, you know, (laughs) like I decided on a whim, I was going to get engaged and, 
you know, go off to a different city with this person and no one could tell me any different, you know, cause I'm just, I'm stubborn. Like once I get an idea in my head, I run with it. So there's a little bit of a danger in that, you know, if you don't have the right tools to cope with something ahead of time, you know, like Charity was saying, no one in the church was teaching uh, character, you know, boundaries, um, relationship, you know, ideas in the church. It was at that time, there was like a big purity movement in the church, which I'm grateful for. But it was really kind of this idea of, you know, courting and not dating. So then you get into this relationship with someone and you're courting them, but it's for the purpose of marriage, but you don't, you don't really find out their character. You know, you're mostly around other people and other, you know, you can't be in an intimate setting too much. And so I really feel like I did not get to know this person on a more intimate relational level until after we were married, which, you know, I think that just the teaching of the time, it wasn't really focused on some of the things we're focusing on now, which I think are a lot healthier, um, pertaining to marriage and, um, relationships. But one of the other red flags, um, I think charity touched on it a little bit was I didn't have, I didn't have, um, a real solid sense of self-worth, you know, I'm, and again, I was only 19. Um, and I came from a background where, you know, my dad wasn't what he, you know, could have, should have been. And so I really, I, I didn't have a healthy sense of God as my father and protector. And so I really just kind of felt alone in the world, you know, and here I am several states away from my family, you know, and, um, I have all these grand ideas and I, I don't really, I didn't really feel like I had a plumb line of safety, you know, or someone to go to for advice on something like this. So in my mind, I was like, well, no one taught me that this is a bad idea. So I should just do it. This seems like a good idea. I'm just going to go ahead and get married. And so I didn't really factor in, um, you know, like, well, my purpose for my life and who I am as a person and how valuable I am when I was, you know, looking at these things that were glaringly obvious, these flags, and I just kind of shoved them away, you know? And, and I would just really want to say too, like, they don't go away when you get married, like they're still going to be there. <laughs> they're just going to be, you know, these red flags are shoved in a drawer and you're going to have to deal with it at some point. Um, but I also want to say there was, there were a few times where we did get into an argument and one of the times was, um, one of the times was there was an event and I felt like I had dressed up really nice, you know, and I looked really good. And he had said something that was just very derogatory and he made me feel like I was dressing up to impress other men that were there or something. It was just, he was acting out of his own insecurities. And so I felt like there were just these little things where he would compliment me, but then it was like, oh, but there's this one thing you're doing wrong, you know? Like, and so it just was this constant like degradation of like how I felt, you know, I looked, you know, and my beauty and just my self-worth. And so um, I would definitely have taken more note of those um, in hindsight, but yeah, just, and I, I just really feel like it's good to go with your gut, you know, and how is, what is, what is the Holy Spirit telling you about this person? And what are you perceiving that they aren't saying, um, you know, and what are they you know, just really taking note of, um, you know, the red flags and not shoving them away <laughs> for later. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I love that you guys both touched on that. And so I think that brings up another question in my heart and, and I'm sorry, I didn't give this to you ahead of time, but how do you reconcile sort of what you were thinking God was saying now on the other side of things, would you say, yes, God was leading me into this or 
he highlighted somebody, but I still had a choice and I could have made a wiser choice or yes, he actually, I really felt like he was leading me into this. And then the person, because obviously we still have personal autonomy, we can still choose within the marriage, the person decided, hey, I'm actually not going to be the person that I was or, or pursue you or, you know, be a loving, kind husband. And then they made a choice or, you know, be a loving, kind husband. And then they made a choice that was deviating from what God had both called you into mutually or what's the process of that? Because I know these, this is a big, tough question that people go through, um, you know, when they felt like, hey, I felt the Lord tell me. And that's why I play very open hand with that kind of stuff. And when I have singles come to me, I'm like, put it on the shelf. Please, please, please do not tell the person. <laughs> a lot of people do that to manipulate, right? Um Put it on the shelf, get to know them, and then do you like them? Is this somebody you would want to be with? Because I find that's when it comes to marriage, it's oftentimes the thing that people have the hardest time hearing God clearly on, but they're so convinced that they did hear accurately. And so they'll be like, God told me I was meant to marry this person, and then that person marries someone else, right? And so they're praying through an idol, and they're hearing from the idol. Um, and, and it's very hard to actually hear clearly and just to go on a little bit of rant there I feel like some people are so 100% convinced I hear God clearly for this and I'm like man you know when you're prophesying you're not really that accurate (laughs) or people are going that word doesn't really resonate but this is the one thing you 100% hear God on and there's no you know place for wisdom to come in or anything else or if if you're really hearing God that accurately you should be on the streets every day prophesying if he's speaking to you that clearly and and you're not. And so again, wisdom, putting it on the shelf, but I just want to kind of submit that to you guys and, and kind of ask how you've wrestled with that through the years. Whichever one wants to go first. Um, Okay. I'll go first. (laughs) Um, That's a really, that's a really big question. And I think I have been, officially divorced for like three and a half years, but we haven't lived together in seven and a half years. Um, so, uh, growing up in the church and loving Jesus my whole life, the one thing I always wanted to do was just obey God and, and do what he tells me to do. And I, I honestly don't believe that marrying him was the wrong, was the wrong choice. Um, but I didn't know that we had a choice and I didn't know what choices look like and that I, that I had a voice to be a part of that choice. Um, so I had to wrestle with the fact that even though God told me he had a choice to obey and listen as well. And at the end of the day, he chose not to do it God's way. He, he chose not to pursue me, not to fight for me. He chose not to own all his part of the mess, even after eight months of counseling. And, um, that, that was the hardest part to reconcile was that he made a choice not to fight, not to, not to fight for me. And, um, if I, if I would go back knowing what I know now, even though God told me this was the right person, um, it would be like, 
And, and it's hard. It's hard to reconcile that part of your heart that says he didn't, he didn't make that choice and, and not because God is sovereign, but we still have choices. And that's the part that's so hard to reconcile that, that, and, and I think coming to that point was able to help me work through the fact that he didn't fight for me, that he made that choice, which is even still hard. But if, if I could go back, knowing what I do now, even though God said this was the right person, and then being able to wait and choose healthy over romance. And like Layla said, get people to speak into your life. We didn't have anybody speaking into our lives. We didn't have anybody saying, hey, what about this? Hey, what about that? Um, n- no one said, hey, I've got... So knowing that, if I could go back and then saying, let's let go longer, let's make these choices. And if I saw that he wasn't making healthy choices toward owning his stuff, and I was able to have the courage to look at the red lights and have the courage to sit on these things that we were not agreeing on, then I know that I could have said, I can't do this. And it would have been okay. Like you said, Beck, that, you know, God still loved you, even if he chose not to marry him. Like, I, I didn't know that. I didn't understand the father's heart in that. I'm only now coming to understanding that God's still going to walk with me, even if I make a mistake, that he's still going to be near me, even if I choose not to obey him, that his love doesn't change me. That, that I was so wanting to obey God and so wanting to honor him that I was like, just willing to just, like Lila said, we'll do these things later. We'll deal with these things later. If I yeah. knew what I know now and processing all these things and looking hard into these character choices that he didn't have and financial decisions that he wasn't making good ones and the things that, you know, if he wasn't going to own that and he wasn't going to to work through that and just see that growth and that character over time changing the fruit coming from that, then I know that I could have said, this isn't going to work. I, I can't partner with you because we're not on the same page. Um, Mm -hmm. So choices. And did, sorry, yeah. (laughs) I was just going to say, did he also feel like this is what God is saying? Was it an obedience thing for him as well? Or was he more choosing into it? Um, I think he was choosing. I mean, he had liked me for a long time. And so, I mean, he really, I mean, he did, he did pursue me at the beginning and he did, he did want that. Um, I really wanted to partner with him in the call of God that I had on his life. Like he had this call in his life, mm-hmm. he was anointed, and I wanted to be a part of that. So I, I was able to overlook the character issues because I just wanted to, I just want to do God's work, you know? Um, and yeah. I think that's just where we miss it as we just miss that part. We need, we need to go after the character and the healthy and, and know that God, that God is in that. He is definitely in that. Yeah. It kind of reminds me while you were talking, it's like people who, you know, they're called to go to the nations and preach the gospel, but they spend their lives on the couch, right? And so it's like God called them into something that could have been really incredible, but because of choice, because we still have, you know, free will, we can still choose whether we're going to partner with that. Um, You know, you can choose whether you're going to go after it. You're going to go after a healthy marriage because it does take a lot of work, even if God's in it. It actually takes, I didn't realize um, we're doing our love after marriage course. And they say like, you can't just stumble your way into a really great marriage. (laughs) You actually have to fight for it and you have to work on it. And I didn't realize that. I thought God's in it. It's going to be amazing. And kind of like you said, charity, 
it's going to work itself out because God's there. Mm-hmm. And what I found, and and I think you're saying this, is, yeah, God's there and he helps us through the process, but there needs to be a willingness, mm-hmm. again, to be teachable, to choose in, to do the hard work, to create a really strong marriage. Um, and that's where choice comes in, regardless of, you know, whether you've heard his voice and mean like, yes, he's a hundred percent in this thing. Did you want to add something? I'm sorry. And I just, I think both people, I think the thing is that both people have to make that choice. It can't just be you like, Oh, I'm just going to be in Layla. And I have talked about this a lot. You process a lot together. Um, that it can't just be you. Like you can't be the one making all the choices and be like, well, I'm just going to do my heart. I'm going to be this. And I know Layla, you could probably touch more on this as well. Um, we can't just be the submitted wife or this. And just, I'm going to do all this part and it all rests on you. Both people have to come to the table. Both people have to do their part. You cannot carry the weight of the relationship to honor God and think that it's going to work out. Like if both people are not doing their part and fully owning their own part at the table, it it's not it's not going to work, and I just I feel very strongly about that. Yeah, that's super powerful. Layla, did you have anything that you wanted to share about this topic in general, hearing God, and 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 kind of how you're reconciling that with what eventually ended up happening in your marriage? Yeah. Um. So actually, um, the summer before we had gotten together, I was on a mission trip, and. I'm remembering that the, um, so I was in South Africa and the pastor there had actually prophesied over me and he saw me, you know, they say you're not supposed to prophesy marriage and, you know, relationship and babies and all that. But he actually saw me getting married really soon, like within the next six months, you know? And so I was like, oh, that's like, that's funny because I'm not even, you know, in a relationship. Um, and actually I think at that time I like had a crush on someone that was in South Africa or something, you know, like, so I wasn't even thinking, you know, of this person back, um, at school. And so, um, he had prophesied over me that I was getting married and he's like, you know, I want you to invite me to your wedding. Like he was like certain that we were getting married. And so I was kind of like, I just kind of shoved that, you know, back and I was like, okay, yeah, whatever. That's kind of weird. Um, so for me, I felt, and I think Charity touched on this too. Like, I felt like it was a sense of duty. I felt like, okay, this person, um, likes me, they proposed to me, they're Christian. I'm a Christian. Um, I just felt like it was the right thing to do. Um, and the fact that, you know, I was in a transitional season where I had to make a choice of leaving school and going back home, which I didn't want to do, or, you know, starting a new life. And so for me, I felt like, I felt like God, you know, God was, you know, telling me that this was the right thing to do. I had a prophecy, um, you know, every other girl on my floor was getting married and engaged. So I was like, oh, and I'm engaged too. This is great. Like I'm in the engaged club, you know, and like, this is all fun and it's, it's great. And life's going to be wonderful. And, and then, you know, so I was ignoring the red flags, looking at all of these things that looked like they added up, you know, and, and I'm moving and I'm not going back home, but we can start a new life together in this new city. And so I was looking at all of these different things that in my mind just lined up perfectly, Um, and I felt like, you know, I wanted to obey God more than anything that was, you know, and, and I think that my ex knew that, you know, that I felt this sense of like, I'm I'm supposed to, um, and like Charity was saying, there's no pre-married counseling at that time that really touched on, um, character and boundaries and things like that. It was mostly all the, the superficial fluff stuff. And I, we didn't even have counseling until after we were married. Um, so I really had this sense of duty and, and I will say, it's kind of conflicting for me because I do feel there's a permissible will of God. And I do feel like I heard the Lord. 
Um, and I have five wonderful, like wonderful children who I know are supposed to be on this earth and have amazing, um, you know, amazing prophetic destinies. And so I kind of wrestle with the fact that, you know, I know I heard God at the time. I felt like it was the right thing, but I was ignoring things that eventually turned in and snowballed into bigger problems and issues down the road. And a lot of heartache and pain could have been avoided if we had slowed our roll a little bit and um, dealt with some of those things um, or not. And, you know, you know, ultimately, you know, not end up getting married or whatever. But um, so, you know, I think there is a permissible will of God and we, um, you know, we have a choice and God's going to bless us no matter what we choose, but um, we might incur a lot of heartache that's unnecessary along the way. Um, so that's just my two cents about that. Um, and uh, as far as getting divorced, there were several times where, and again, I was in, you know, a 20 year marriage, um, lots of, you know, all types of abuse, you know, narcissistic, you know, mental, emotional, you know, just manipulation, um, spiritual abuse. So really I've experienced kind of all of it. Um, but the thing is I tried to, I had friends encouraging me and trying to help me kind of get out of it, um, you know, for years, but there was this one moment where it all kind of kind of came together. And I felt like the Holy spirit gave me this, gave me this kind of out, I guess I'll say like, and I just sort of started realizing everything. And one of the things I realized was that, uh, that I am, I'm not responsible for the other person. Like charity was saying, like, I'm not responsible for them to do their part. I'm not, I'm only responsible for me. And so I really feel like through the abuse and through all of that, the closer I got to the Lord, the more I started, um, you know, working on my identity, the more I started realizing these things. And really that like, if I'm trying to control another person, um, you know, that when you, you know, have fear, you know, manipulation control, or I think it's those three, then, then you have witchcraft, you know, so I don't want to be operating in witchcraft just so that I can have a good marriage, you know, because you really can't force another person to do the right thing. You can't force people to make choices. You can't expect people who aren't, you find out are not on the same page to make the same choices as you. So, for me, I was just realizing that for me to try to look at just possibilities and what if and what could be um, and hoping and praying that he would change one day and we'd be on the same page that I was actually operating control and I didn't want to do that. And it was just this moment where I realized I, I can't do that anymore. I can't control him. And so um, and then, of course, you know, we got counseling, but it, it was hard in that it took people a while to really believe what was going on. So I will say that, you know, had I, had I paid attention to red flags in the beginning, I could have saved myself a lot of heartache in having you know, years and years of a marriage that was, I mean, we had our good moments, but for the most part, it was pretty bad. And that's, you know, just going to leave it at that. It was pretty bad. And so in the end, you know, it was easy to get married. It was really easy to elope, to run off. You know, we have all these hopes and dreams, but it was really hard to get out of it. So I ended up getting really stuck, um, spending over $30,000 in court, you know, fighting for my reputation, getting drugged through the mud. So it's easy to get into, really hard to get out of, um, depending on the situation. So, um, yeah, so <laughs> I just, for me, when I just, when I hear people getting married, you know, right off the bat, I'm just like, <laughs> it just, you know, like all these like warning signs, you know, like go off my head. I'm like, okay, but like, this could be really hard down the road, you know? Yeah. And even if God's in it, yeah. like we said, set yourself up for success. Yeah. 
and do the hard work. What I'm hearing both of you really talking about is the power of premarital counseling, the power of um, going through boundaries, having community speak into it, taking your time to get to know someone well and know what their character is at the end of the day when they're not their best, how do they show up? Yeah. Um, because that's, that's what you're going to be waking up next to, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, for the rest of your life. And that's the stuff that's going to matter. And so Layla, just while I just want to ask you a question and then we can um, go back to charity as well. Just you don't have to go into a lot of detail, but do you want to just share a little bit about what happened in your marriage that kind of caused it to, to, you know, uh, whatever term you want to use, break up, blow up at the end, uh, what was kind of the progression and then, okay, like now we're going to go our separate ways. If, if you guys can just share, again, in as little or as much detail as you want, just to give us some context for that. Yeah. Um, so a lot of the things that were happening were pretty consistent throughout the marriage, and I kind of realized them right off the bat. Um, but basically it would – you know, things would start out something simple. So there would be cyclical arguments, you know, like I, there was like a small, something small that would happen. And then, you know, I wouldn't feel my needs were being met or I would feel hurt, you know, and I would present it to my partner and be like, listen, this, you know, this really bothered me. And then there would, there would be, you know, um, you know, gaslighting or, or that's not what happened. This is what happened. And, and so there were just these cyclical arguments and this degrading of like, my sense of knowing what's going on around me um, and then me having to fight for what I know and what's important to me, which when you're in a healthy, loving marriage, you shouldn't have to fight for, for what's important to you and you shouldn't have to fight for your sanity, you know, but just these, it was just constant, you know, cyclical arguments, you know, and I, I basically felt like if I wanted peace, which, you know, I'm a nine on the Enneagram. I love, I love, you know, when everyone's at peace and everyone's happy, but I also have an eight wing. So, you know, I don't mind confrontation. Like if you put me in a corner, I'll call your face off if I have to for survival, you know, like I will tell you how I feel. (laughs) I'm not into violence, but I will tell you how I feel. So don't push me. Um, And so I feel like he knew that. So it was almost like he would instigate and I'm like, that's not what happened. And I would explain three different ways. And I'm like, how is this guy not getting it? And so, um, and then at the end, you know, I would have to resolve, well, there's no, there's no real resolution here. Um, I'm just going to suck it up so we can be happy, you know? So that was happening. And I feel like over time, there's just a degradation of, of my sense of self-worth and was I really hearing God and, you know, were my needs that important? Um, you know, which obviously, you know, I'm put here, you know, by God, (laughs) you know, on this earth. So my needs are important, you know, like, um, and so just, there was this constant degrading of, you know, what am I sensing? What am I feeling? What am I hearing? Am I correct? Um, I would talk about my views of scripture and, you know, he would have his own views of scripture or we'd be arguing and there was, there would be scripture brought in, you know? And so it was just this constant eroding of everything that I felt was, you know, safe and a plumb line in my life. And, you know, we weren't near family. Um, so there's just like this isolation and kind of, um, just a lot of unhealthy, things, you know, and the red flags, which, you know, they didn't go away. They just got bigger, um, as the years progressed and, um, yeah. So sorry, I got lost there. <laughs> um, yeah, but, um, so in that, I just feel like 
you know, I, I was finally waking up and realizing that those things weren't, those things weren't healthy, you know, and as I, I was even taking a class at church about identity, you know, and one day we were asking our heart, you know, what are, what did our heart have to say? How, what did it feel? And my heart was like, I'm not safe, you know, like, and so, um, I just really started dealing with some identity and heart issues and it was easier to kind of, um, let myself get out of that when I started waking up and realizing, you know, no, actually this is who God called me to be. And this is my calling and this is what I'm for. And just, um, I was able to kind of put the, you know, just the, um, I guess the, the relational issues and things aside and look at it, um, I guess from a different perspective and realize that, you know, I couldn't go on like this. I couldn't live like this anymore. Awesome. Thank you for sharing. Yeah. And how about you, Charity? Um, for me, I think, I mean, it was never obviously healthy from the very beginning um, because of all the things we talked about. Um, even from the day we got married, like we left my parents' house where we had the reception, something happened that, I mean, it's not worth going into, but even if I, if I would tell you, you'd be like, what? From the very beginning. And, um, I, I know I, I grew up in a Christian home. My parents, you know, loved Jesus had a, you know, healthy marriage as the best it could be without having the tools that we have now, you know, from the seventies, you know, growing up in that time period. Um, so not having the communication tools, not having those type of tools. Um, I didn't know that I had a choice and I had a voice. I learned, you know, that I was supposed to be a submissive wife and obey my husband and try to be the best version of that Proverbs 31 woman. And so, um, there are countless times, countless times I would cry myself to sleep, begging Jesus to change me, to make me a better wife. Cause obviously it was all my fault, what was going on and why we couldn't communicate well and why I couldn't be intimate well. And, um, um, not knowing what was really happening. And, um, I didn't know about control. I didn't understand manipulation. I didn't understand narcissism. I didn't understand gaslighting. I didn't know any of that. And then seven years ago, we had moved to Arizona and, um, I woke up one morning and he was going to go back to California where we were living before. And it became being really messy and, um, really ugly. And it was like, at that point when he left, I felt like the Lord just kind of took the scales off my eyes. And I was like, whoa, this, this is bad. This is really, really bad. And then I began, no one was in our personal life. No one was in our inner circle, knowing what was really going on when I was having a hard time. I, I didn't, th there was no freedom to share any of that. It was basically don't say anything about what's really going on in our marriage or how hard things are financially for us. I wasn't allowed to share that with anybody so, um, I was basically withering away on the inside and, um, well, I was pretty much dead at that point. So when I began to share what was going on and to my inner circle, the things they kept seeing, what I kept hearing was that that should have never happened. That is not okay. What? Like what? And so when I began to hear these things, I was like, really? Like, this is not okay. This is not normal. And over and over again, I was hearing, you should have never gone through that. That should never have happened. It's not your fault. Because when you're in that type of marriage, 
like Layla said, you, you really feel like you're going crazy. Like you, you literally feel like in your mind, like you are losing it. And there are a number of times I really felt like I was like, I was going to go crazy in my head. Cause I'm like, I'm doing everything I'm supposed to be doing. I'm praying. I read my Bible. I'm begging Jesus to change me and nothing's happening, you know? And, um, even, and I mean, like Layla said, there were good seasons, but when you look back at the seasons that were not good, you're like, Whoa, that was really bad. That was really, really bad. And so, um, we did eventually get into counseling. Um, but at the end of the day, he just, like I said, he wouldn't fight. He wasn't going to fight for me and he wasn't going to own his part of the whole relationship and what, what was really happening. There was still a lot of blaming going on. And it was, I wasn't changing fast enough. I wasn't working hard enough. I, I, I wasn't doing something. And I just knew that we were not ever going to reconcile and we were never going to be on the same page. And I had gotten so healthy and gotten through so much healing. I couldn't partner with that. I couldn't partner with going back to, okay, whatever you say and not having a voice and, and, um, I wanted to be healthy. I wanted to be healthy. And I thought it wasn't, I don't advocate divorce. I don't advocate it. And, um, but I, after like a year and a half of praying it through, I, I just couldn't go back. I just couldn't, we couldn't reconcile. We just couldn't reconcile. Wow. Thank you so much for sharing so openly. And I can tell it's still a vulnerable thing, right? It's like such a big part of your life. I can even see you guys getting kind of, choked up as you talk about it and so I, I really do appreciate you guys being so vulnerable and real and raw um about a topic that is really hard and I'm, I'm seeing more and more people who have gone through the same journey you guys have gone through in our singles groups and and coming and asking questions and um yeah Layla uh you, uh, you said you have something to add yeah I would love to hear that yeah so one of the one of the big um, factors in deciding to divorce for me, you know, because the church was teaching that, you know, divorce was not okay. And yeah, that's what I had been taught growing up my entire life. Um, but I was looking at, you know, I was getting healthy in my identity and I was looking at the fact that my kids were growing up seeing these unhealthy cycles of relationships and um, that really just didn't sit well with me. And so the more things drug on and the older they got, um, I finally, just got to the point where, you know, I felt like I had an out from God and I felt like, you know, he was like, you have a decision in this. And I looked at, you know, what they were seeing on a constant basis of what was going on in our unhealthy relationship. And I didn't want to carry that over and continue that. So for me, that was just, that was a really big factor in deciding to finally, you know, get a divorce and with all the trouble that came with that, even trying to get divorced, it took like two and a half years. Um, so but the, the kids were definitely a big factor, um, you know, because I don't feel like I was taught that as a kid, you know, those healthy, healthy cycles and healthy relationships. I, I was not taught that. I wasn't taught that in the church or in my own family. Um, and so I just had this light bulb moment where I was like, my kids are going to have to deal with the same thing, you know, unless I stop this. And so, you know, that was a huge, yeah, that's a huge factor for me. So, Wow. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing. I'd love to know, I think a great, <clears throat> excuse me, I got all croaky, <laughs> emotional, um, a great place to, to end our, our chat today is just to ask you guys, what wisdom would you give 
singles and and you're single yourself now so you, it'll also can pl- apply to you, to you this is how I'm now approaching dating um about the things that you the wisdom that you have the things that you know are okay these are my non-negotiables now like I'm looking at it with a completely different lens having walked through what I've walked through what what would you tell someone or even yourself about dating now and and finding a, a spouse Okay, I'll go because I'm pretty passionate about this right now, and I and I and I, I love on. it because I know it's the work of Jesus in my life. It's not, it's not a an emotional response. Um, I feel like I'm in a really healthy place with the Lord. Um, I'm excited about um, the future because I know he ha- he alone has done a work in my life. And I am just even now, like, even open to the idea of dating, like, kind of. Like, I think I want to, like, if if you can have a um, part-time boyfriend, that's, like, my new joke. (laughs) So it's, like, not (laughs) a part-time boyfriend. Um, The idea of marriage still is very um, not completely sold on the idea quite yet, which is fine. And I think that's okay because Jesus still has a work in my heart. Totally, um, yeah. Non-negotiables for me at this point, and I, and I say this with all conviction that I would rather stay single than not have any of these points. Like at this point of the other side, um, to be so secure in my identity in Christ and who I am that I am loved by the beloved, that I I am okay. I am okay. I am totally okay. And I love that I can say that because of the work of the cross in my life. Um, But like a number one thing is someone who loves Jesus and understands the power of laying down your life. I mean, because we know that if they don't love themselves, they are not going to love you. So Mm self-care and loving yourself to the place where you are not crazy, but taking care of your heart and your emotions and your soul and your physical body. Cause if they take care of that, then they will take care of you. But if there's at any point where that area is not healthy, you can't, they're, they're not going to love you well. And um, having accountability, like you said, Beck, having people speak into their lives and being teachable, that is like not even an option. If they are not serving in the church and some capacity, if that, I mean, working and cleaning toilets, if they are not doing something in the kingdom, they should not even be on the table. Um, and having healthy friends, like having, like Layla even said, having healthy male friends, they can go out and they're hanging out and, and men are speaking into their life. That is just, I never, ever had that. And I don't even think that should be an option, even be an option. Um, and then, uh, there's a few more, like, you know, we can go down the list, but, but learning to understand, I've been meditating a lot on John 15 and abiding in Christ and fruit. There should be fruit in their lives, fruit of joy and compassion and love. And their, their, if their lives are, are in love and their roots are growing deep down in Christ's love and they're in love with Jesus, then their lives will reflect that because they will be serving people. They will be loving people and their lives will be a reflection of their intimacy with Jesus. And if there is not fruit that you can eat off of and taste, 
then they're not, it's going to be a big, huge mess and they're not going to get there, right? They're not going to get down there. You should be eating of their fruit in the first date. And their first date, you should be eating of their fruit. And of course, we're going to grow. Doesn't mean we're not all going to have our, our stuff, but there should be fruit that you can actually taste of from day one. So um, that's what I'm holding out for is John 15, abiding, love, fruit, rest in Christ. And um, if I can see the fruit and if I can taste the fruit, then I might consider it at that point. <laughs> yeah, and that's super fair. And I love that. I love that you, this whole experience has allowed you to come out with the wisdom of like, oh, this is what is actually important. And I feel like even just this is what's important to God's heart rather than what I think I want or my type or, you know, getting caught up in romantic fantasies. This is what will sustain a marriage. And so I feel like there's so much wisdom in that. Layla, what about you? What do you have to, what would you say to yourself or somebody else who's single? Yeah. um, I would say don't, first of all, don't be duped by future faking um, and just look at potential, you know, not just look at potential, but look at what's actually being presented to you. Like Charity said, the fruit and yes. you know, what, what, fruit the reality is tree, you know, like if it's rotten apples, but you know, it's going to be beautiful. Just imagine it, you know, we're going to, we're going to plant more and it's, we're going to, you know, put, you know, fungicide and whatever. And we're going to, you know, make this orchard brand new. Like you have to look at what's actually being presented to you. Like, if is there rotten fruit and why is there rotten fruit and are they willing to deal with the rotten fruit and not just, you know, the potential, you know, not because I, I feel like I have that, you know, issue personally and people like I can see the good and I can see the potential and I can see just even prophetically, like where this person can go. But if that person doesn't take charge of their lives and see that for themselves um, and if they're not, you know, walking that out on a daily basis, then again, like you can't control someone, you can't, you know, make a grown person do anything. And so you really just have to look at what's being presented to you, like face value, like this is who they are, you know, like, do they, you know, even little things like, um, do they have healthy eating habits? Are they working out, you know, you know, on a, you know, uh, biweekly, you know, monthly, you know, schedule, whatever, like, do they have this worked into their lives, this schedule of self-care? Because like, for me, that's, that's something I, love and that's very important to me. And so if someone is not doing those things, I can't expect that that's ever going to change. I just have to look at what's being presented to me. Um, so that's super important. The other thing would be probably the most important would be, um, just listen to your gut and, um, especially for people who are discerning, um, just listen to, you know, what is your spirit saying? What is, what are, what's the information you're gathering? Um, you know, in the atmosphere or prophetically from this person, you know, do you feel like they're struggling with sexual sin? Because most, most oftentimes they are like someone I met recently. Um, I could just tell, and then it came out that, that that's indeed what this person was struggling with, you know? And so, um, trust your gut and trust what, you know, the information spiritually that you feel you're being presented with, because most oftentimes, um, that's something that you're actually, that's actually accurate and that you're seeing correctly, you know? Um, even though they might not be saying it. Um, yeah, so those are the two main main things I would think. And just also, um, yeah, the idea of just, you know, not falling so hard romantically, but going more towards, um, you know, having a healthy, having a healthy um, 
history with this person, you know, and like, what are they like in um, all seasons? Like, I like the idea of, you know, seeing what they're like for a year, like in all different seasons, you know, like, how does that change? Because actually in a lot of um, narcissistic type relationships, usually around three or four months is where the mask falls off and you see what the person actually is, you know, because it's hard to keep up a vacate for too long. And so I, you know, just coming out of what I've come out of, I really like the idea of being in a relationship long enough to see true colors come out, you know, and where they don't feel like they have to put their best foot forward anymore. And you really see what they're like day to day, um, on a day to day basis and not just, you know, their best foot forward. So, yeah, I love that. And I love what you're saying about seasons too, because even with my, my husband, this is more practically, he's very different, um, in summer than he is in winter. (laughs) <laughs> believe it or not he 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 really struggles with the heat he's a redhead and so even something as simple as hey we're going to stay inside a lot more and we're going to be near air conditioning for me is super hard but we had never done a summer together and then we're married and now we we're not really going outside and for me that's like killing my heart a little bit you know because I'm like I'm not a homebody I'm made to explore and so now we have to do that separately um and the heat doesn't bother me that much, but he, he really struggles with it. And so even practically, would I have still married him? For sure. But I would have been a little bit more prepared of like, okay, when summer rolls around, this is what's going to happen. And it's not that much of a shock or offense or, oh gosh, this is such a drain. You know, <laughs> like now I'm resentful because I can't do the things I want. I, I would actually, in dating, I would still have my own place and I could still do my own stuff and I would be eased into the process a little bit more. Charity, you had one more thing to share. Yeah, I just, the thing that also came to me was um, that you're worth the wait. Like you're worth mm-hmm. the wait of waiting for. Like there's sometimes I yeah. feel like um, we hear God and we're, and we think we have to do it right away. And we don't understand like the season that just because God yeah. said this was the right thing doesn't mean you have to do it like now. And so if you're mm-hmm. afraid that, oh, we're going to miss it. Like I know Layla and I were, you know, we're going to miss God by not going through with this. Then that we have to re- rethink whether that's what the father is saying, because he's not going to rush us like that. And that if they're not willing to wait for you, then that's another should be another red flag. Like it should be that mm-hmm. you're worth the wait. You're worth the seasons. You're worth the, you know what? I need more time or let's, let's walk this out a little longer or, you know what? I'm really having some issues here. Let's, let's sit on this a little bit longer that if they're really for you, then you're worth the wait. They just, you're worth mm-hmm. wait. And I, and I had to really had to, to come to know that, um, I'm worth pursuing. I'm worth pursuing and I'm worth the wait, no matter how long it is or what it looks like. And so are you. I love that. Yes, I feel like rushing usually has to do with the root of fear. Um, I'm getting older or what if, you know, he doesn't want to be with me if I wait, all this stuff. It has to do with that root of fear. I'm not actually trusting in the Lord. For me, it was kind of an impatience because I was like, okay, finally, we're here. Like, let's do this, you know. But I really do think if I really break it down to its core elements, there was definitely some sort of fear there probably about like, yeah, I'm getting older. And although I was really enjoying my single season, um, I did want to get married. And, and oh, if we wait, you know, stuff can happen. And, ah, oh, I don't want to wait. It's just, let's just do it now. And so I really hope 
for those of you listening, you, you hear our hearts on this. We're not advocating for divorce or um, anything like that. But I wanted to give Charity and Layla a opportunity to share their story because from what they've been through, we can glean a lot of wisdom as singles. We can get a lot from what they have to say and, and actually apply that to our lives and actually apply that to our dating. And I feel like even not falling into the same pitfalls that you guys have described, like, oh, I wish I had have picked up on this earlier. Even like we've said, success looks like even if God's calling you into something, setting yourself up um, to succeed looks like waiting, looks like seeing the person in different contexts, looking at their character, um, having community come in, not being isolated, you know, having people speak into it and actually really heeding those warnings of, you know, if you've got people saying, hey, I don't actually know if this is going to be a good fit, holding the things that you're feeling from the Lord loosely and knowing that you have a choice and God honors choice. Um, I feel like that's there's a lot of things that hopefully you guys got from this, but that's that's really uh, what I got from it. And so um, let's just pray. Let's pray for everybody that's been listening. Is there either one of you guys who is just feeling a burden to pray? I feel like I just want to open that up. Pray for anyone who anyone who's watching this or, or listening to it, I should say. Yeah, I can go ahead. Um, yeah, Lord, we just ask that um, for everyone listening to this, that you would just um, that you would just give them clarity and peace, Father God, and that you would just wrap them up, Father God, in your in your love, Lord, um, for every decision that they are looking at making or that they've they've already made, um, Lord, that you would just give them clarity and wisdom and guidance, Father God, for their lives, and that you would just continue to speak to them about identity and confirming your truths in their heart, God, um, that you would surround them with healthy community and healthy family and um, just people who can really speak into their lives and give them wisdom. Um, And yeah, I just ask that you would just reveal to them um, a glimpse into the future, God, and just how amazing things are going to be when they find their spouse, Lord. Um, and that they would just be encouraged by that and they would be encouraged to wait and not feel rushed. Um, that you just give them patience. Thank you, Father God. Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Well, guys, I hope you have a blessed week. If you're listening to this, um, I hope you've been encouraged just as much as I have and yeah, we love you and we will see you on the next podcast.